Welcome to the Supremely Intercontinental Puckcast, a podcast about fake little hockey guys. I'm your host, Ian Constable, GM of the Banff Rockies. Nerd! Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. On today's show, we have an interview with Matt Birch, GM of the Calgary Mustangs, and later on, Acadia Grizzly Bears GM and host of the Pipeline Show, Guy Flaming, will discuss the recent World Junior Championships. Let's get things started with Matt Birch, GM of the Calgary Mustangs. Well, everybody, this is Big Matt Birch. Yes, one and only in the flesh. You know, people have asked me many times, you know, hey, Matt, what's it like to be a celebrity? What's it like to be so well-known, so so well-off? Whoa, hold on. That doesn't sound like the Matt Birch I know. I think somebody must be using an alias. All right. Let's try this again. I'm so excited, my tinkle is fizzing. Oh, oh, oh. oh yeah. I decided that first of all, I'd show the new Mustang around. GM of the Calgary Mustangs. Welcome to the show, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. We have uh, some more hockey headed our way starting tomorrow in some other league. Uh, so I'm excited about that too. But I'm super excited because uh, there's two teams from Southern Alberta really high up in the standings right now battling each other. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, super exciting. Uh, I mean, I, I totally guessed that you would be this high. I never would have guessed I'd be this high. Oh, I had it reversed, actually. I was thinking, I was thinking yeah, the Calgary, Calgary would be up there. I was uh, I was not expecting this for myself, but super happy. Uh, if only that other team from Alberta could uh, could join us up there, but you know, can't uh, can't ha- can't have it all, I guess. So, all right, let's get. Uh, I'd love to get this started. We had lots of questions coming from uh, the league uh, for you, so we'll get started right away. First off, where are you from? I'm from St. Louis, and I currently live about an hour hour and a half west of St. Louis. Okay, excellent. So coming from uh, cities around the United States, when you're talking um, an hour and a half out for us, an hour and a half outside, say, Edmonton, where I live, um, like a person wouldn't say, they might say, I'm from near Edmonton, but they wouldn't, might not say I'm from Edmonton. Does that happen a lot in the, in the U.S. maybe? Um, If, uh, if you're, you know, from an area outside of a city that you say that city then? Uh, I'd say if you're about an hour west of St. Louis, you'd still say you're probably from about St. Louis, but around okay. an hour and a half, it starts to get, turn more country. So okay. it, uh, it, it is definitely more country out here. So I, I would say I'm about an hour and a half west of St. Louis, about an hour and a half east of Springfield, which is the next oh. biggest city. Right, and, right. Okay. Four hours from four hours from Kansas City. Okay. Excellent. All right. That's good to know. Uh, so, what's it like uh, living where hockey isn't the dominant sport? So, in, in the U.S., of course, or in Canada, hockey is like everything for for most Canadians. Uh, I feel like we've got it easy up here. Our, our coverage because there's so many hockey fans. Uh, how about yourself? For someone living in and around St. Louis. Uh, it's kind of funny, you know, 
St. Louis was really, uh, it still is, a really big hockey town. But then moving out here where it's more country, whenever people hear me say that, you know, I love hockey, it's my favorite sport, they say it's usually one of two things. It's either that's weird or, <laughs> or uh, I know nothing about hockey. <laughs> okay. Those are the usual responses I get. So if you're in St. Louis, hockey is a real big sport there. Uh, probably right behind baseball and honestly soccer is pretty big in st louis too but oh really okay yeah. well that's right i didn't know that excellent yeah. um how about your uh tv coverage then uh, there do you get do you get a lot of coverage of uh, hockey games or uh if you have satellite or a package you you can get some but uh okay. there, we're also subject to a lot of blackout stuff so it's uh uh, I'm better off trying to find links on Reddit or something or just uh, follow it on the radio is what I usually do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on the online apps, uh, listening on the radio. Right. Yeah. I definitely count my blessings. We have, you know, regular season, we usually have uh, two games a night that you can find on TV at least here. So um, yeah. I'm pretty lucky, I guess, that way. All right. Yeah, so. I did- yeah, I did catch a lot of the uh, WJC. The, okay, great. The tournament was... on YouTube. Okay, yeah, excellent. That was a great tournament, and uh, I'm sure you would have been happy there. The U.S. winning the gold medal that was a that was a fantastic final, and and just I thought it was a really great tournament all around. Yeah, it was it was really exciting watching these kids duke it out. It was a uh, just you know reminding me what passion is like. <laughs> yeah. you know, no, being without hockey for so long, I don't know. Uh, I don't uh, I kind of forgot what it's like to see players who actually care about playing. <laughs> Any individual uh, prospects you were cheering for in that tournament? Uh, uh, the little uh, Russian guy, Marat Kuznadinov. He was, uh, okay. yeah. he was a lot of fun. And then uh, my other Russian prospect, uh, uh, Rasimi Grishchuk. Uh, okay, yeah. Grishchuk, yeah. Excellent. Uh, yeah, and I think that's about Oh, I, well, and Heinola from Finland. He was right. Too. Yeah, absolutely. He was probably the best out of the three. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Great. Lots, okay, lots so. Lots to cheer for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you'll probably be able to guess which, who this uh, next question comes from. Uh, and it is, why does Webster Grove's highs, highs hockey team always lose to Kirkwood High? Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I haven't really followed my high school, uh, which is Webster Groves, if anybody was wondering. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't followed them a whole lot since I graduated, but uh, it was never Kirkwood that was our biggest rivalry in hockey. It was always the private schools. We, would, we were the public school that was going against the private schools, and we always lost to the private schools. Right. And, uh, uh, Kirkwood, I... I I guess maybe they have a better hockey team now, but it was always football, American football, that was uh, uh, our biggest rivalry. We always had the Turkey Day game, um, okay. which is the game after, uh, what was, was it on Thanksgiving or the day after Thanksgiving? I can't remember, but uh, I think when I was going in high school, they said it was the oldest football, like traditional game west of the, Missi- west of the Mississippi. Oh, neat. But, Okay, and that would be an American. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I I never fact checked it, but (laughs) I I assumed it was true. 
right? And that'd be American Thanksgiving uh, at the end of November, as opposed to uh, our, our Canadian Thanksgiving, which is in mid to late uh, October, which is correct. Yeah. <laughs> <great>. <laughs> All right. So, uh, did you grow up playing hockey? Did you play on that uh, high school team? I never played on the high school team. My parents said it was ex- it was too expensive, and uh, they they didn't want me. Well, my mom didn't want me getting hurt. Okay. So, Typically, I played baseball and uh, roller hockey. Um, oh, nice! But I still always wish that I played ice hockey. Great. Um, well, there's but, always time. There's always time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Not much call for it out here, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you do you participate in any other uh, fantasy sports leagues like fantasy football, fantasy baseball, other fantasy hockey leagues? Uh, no other sports. I've never done football, never done baseball. Uh, I've done one other hockey fantasy similar to what we use. Actually, it's the same, but uh, I think it only lasted like one season. And, uh, yeah, it folded after that. And uh, then I did one uh, Sports Illustrated uh, hockey fantasy league, like way back when I started SICHL. Um, And that didn't last long either. Mm-hmm. But uh, SICHL is pretty much my only one. Well, you chose the right one to stick with. Um, yeah. Or it chose well, me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you part, oh, sorry, uh, is it true that you heard about this league while playing StarCraft? That is 100% true. Wow. And, uh, it was from uh, Kirk, uh, the commission's brother. We were, uh, let's see. I can't remember if he's older than me by a little by a year or if I'm older than him by a year. Can't remember, but uh, we were both in the same uh, clan in uh, StarCraft Brood War. And uh, yeah, he knew that I liked hockey, so he asked me if I was interested in joining a fantasy hockey league with him and his brother. So yeah, I was one of the original ones. And, uh, you know, the team that I had back then ended up. Uh, I ended up uh, leaving and then coming back. Okay, okay. So how old, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you joined the league as one of those original members? Yeah, um, if you ask Don, I was like five (laughs) years old. Um, And I think he still thinks I'm about five. I don't don't know. (laughs) Uh, I think maybe 15. Okay. 15 15 or 16. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, it was somewhere around there. I'd have to look at StarCraft and when it came out and uh, <laughs> compare that to, uh, well, I, yeah, I guess I could just look at what the year the league started, but yeah, it was somewhere around there, maybe 17. I can't rem- remember. <laughs> <laughs> but pretty young. Wow. Okay. So yeah, I definitely had to uh, clean up uh, one of the questions that came in from a, from another uh Another GM, but that's that's all right. Uh, when you joined the league, I've I've been told that you used an alias. Now, if this is true, tell us about that. And when did you trust the group enough to start using your real name? So, I, if my memory serves right, I didn't exactly use an alias. I think. See, well. If we go back, 
this is, you know, when the internet is kind of still sort of new and, you know, I still lived in my parents' house. So my mom was pretty protective of me and she didn't like uh, me giving my name on the internet. And uh, I guess I abided by that when I joined the league. I didn't give my last name, but uh, I did give my first name. And since I didn't give my last name, somebody filled in the gaps and used my StarCraft handle as my last name. And okay. that's what my last name ended up being when I, when I joined the league. And I'm guessing Kirk told Mark and Mark maybe told Mike. I don't know. It just ended up being my, my last name, according to the league. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. I love that. That's great. Uh, and yeah, hey, the internet, we, we uh, you know, as a teacher, I try to teach internet safety and absolutely, you're not giving out your uh, your information very easily out there for sure. So um, right. I totally get that. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, so you were originally, is this right? You were originally the St. Louis Roughnecks? That is correct. Okay. So I don't know if you know this, you probably do know this, that uh, Calgary had a professional lacrosse team in the um, uh, in the NLL called the Calgary Roughnecks. Um, is that a coincidence? That is totally a coincidence. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know until you just told me. Okay. And, and did you ever work in the oil patch? Nope. No? Okay. Nope. Because, you know, like in Alberta here, uh, Roughnecks, the name comes, you know, from the oil patch. Um, uh, is it the same there? Is the Roughnecks comes uh, coming from the oil patch there or no? So, yes, it does. Okay. But I'm pretty sure I'd have to check the year. But right around that time is when uh, Starship Troopers came out. Oh, okay. And I named my team the Roughnecks, I think, after that movie. That's, oh, uh, wow. Okay. That was All right. the name of... Uh, that was the name of the uh, platoon, but I don't think there's many roughnecks in St. Louis. So uh, <laughs> uh, if I try to make that name today, maybe that name would get uh, rejected because it's inaccurate. But uh, I got away with it back then in the beginning. Well, six degrees of separation there because, of course, your team is now in Calgary and uh, former name being the roughnecks. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty neat. That's a neat coincidence there. Uh, all right. Uh, so you left. Why did you leave? And wh- why did you come back? And do you still consider yourself as an original six GM of the league then? Uh, so I didn't technically leave. I was in college or I guess university is what you Canadians call it, right? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> so I was going to college and uh, um homework got over me and you know i stopped paying attention to the league for a little while and i guess there just so happened to be about two or three other gms at that time and this is still like four years into the league so it's still pretty new and uh um two or three other gms were not participating either and i guess mark had emailed and I didn't get the email. I don't know if I just didn't have internet at the time or if I just didn't check the email. But uh, the team actually ended up getting, um, what do you call it, uh, dissolved right. uh, midway through a season. 
Um, can't remember which season it was, if it was season four or five, somewhere in there. And uh, uh, they had a dispensation dra- uh, draft in the middle. Dispersal draft, yeah. Yeah, dispersal draft in the middle of the season. And, uh, um, yeah, I found out the hard way. It was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> uh, and uh, But I hung around the forums, uh, the message boards, and I still have a message in my account uh, from Mark saying, hey, I still, uh, I can't remember exactly what it says, but it says, uh, I see you've been uh, lurking around. This is like, you know, a year after I lost my team. And uh, would I be interested in uh, uh, rejoining the league with another team? So I said yes and ended up getting, uh, I think it was uh, Davis Love's team. I can't remember the name of the team. and then uh, we had another dispersal draft. Okay. All right. Wow. That is and an interesting story. And so, do you consider yourself still consider uh, yourself consider yourself an original member of the league? Uh, only if the original guys will still have me. No, I'm sure <laughs> they do. <laughs> I'm not going to consider myself that because I'm you know I missed a couple seasons in the middle there, so. Uh, but uh, that's up to them. I'm not gonna proclaim myself original <laughs> since I don't have the I don't have the original team or anything like that. So I consider you. So, I, I I mean I'm not an original member at all. One of the newest actually, but I definitely consider you one of the originals. Uh, all right. So when you came back to the league, St. Louis was gone. The the hometown team, uh, the hometown uh, city was gone. Uh, Number one, how mad were you that uh, that you couldn't have it at the time? Why didn't you pick Springfield? And did you ever consider approaching Sean for the location rights to St. Louis? Well, I can't say that I was mad because it was my own fault. And uh, really, if anybody else got St. Louis, I might have been upset or I might have asked them. But since it was Sean, who was also from St. Louis, uh, I was okay with it, and I—I I, they told me I had to have a Canadian conference team anyway, so oh, okay. I was—I was set on uh, picking a Canadian city and team. Well, okay, so yeah, it had to be Canadian city. Why the choice of Calgary then, and the name uh, of the Mustangs, I guess. Well, I—if I remember correctly, it was kind of a last-minute deal, like as a matter of days that I was offered the team and uh, told to pick a na- name and then be ready for a draft, like within a few days. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it happened pretty fast. And Calgary wasn't the first choice. What? Um, yeah, they, they were not the first. Like, I wanted a, uh, 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 I guess you would say, off-the-wall choice. Right. Uh, like something that nobody would suspect so i looked at the i looked at the uh map of canada and tried to pick a city and uh i think i picked i don't know how to pronounce it exactly which you know was always a good start uh nanaimo or nanaimo 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 yeah absolutely i have cousins there (laughs) i picked that and i want to say i can't remember if it was mike or mark told me that it was uh too close to one of the other teams. Vancouver they didn't... Island, probably, right? Yeah, but I, I think it was on Vancouver Island, actually. But 
but I don't know Vancouver Island was a team. Okay. Okay. So I think uh, I kind of got screwed on the net and then I'm over there. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I ended up choosing Calgary and I think it was Mike who suggested the team Mustang, the name Mustang. So I just went with it and okay. uh, thought, thought that if I didn't like it, I could just change it in the future, but it's stuck. So I, I, I don't, I kind of like it. So I think I'll stick with them. I think you made an excellent choice. Excellent choice. <laughs> All right. Um, so you might be biased there. <laughs> maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Uh, so, if you're ever moving to Canada, would you choose Calgary? Uh, maybe. Never been, but uh, <laughs> it, it sounds like it'd be pretty similar to around here, St. Louis, and the, the country mm-hmm. uh, being kind of next to each other. Um, right. Yeah, I've only been to uh, Toronto and Edmonton as far as my Canada experience. Okay. All right, so when you rejoined the league, um, you inherited a team that had traded away all of its firsts. And we know that there's a couple teams that have done that in our league at the moment. Uh, Imagine if somebody inherited one of those. Well, you know, they probably have some pretty good players on them at the moment, but uh, that must have been... uh, pretty tough you waited five long years to make a first round pick and then you knocked it out of the park with kuznetsov at like number 24 uh so for many of us the draft is the biggest part of the league how'd you stay motivated while waiting that long to make a pick in the first round uh well i will say that uh like i said that uh um it was kind of a neck break speed you know, here's your team, pick a name, here's the draft. And, uh, you know, off the record, on the record, I may have not noticed that he did not have any first-round picks in the first five years. So that was an oversight on my part. Um, you know, I realized after the fact, like, oh, no, I'm, I'm stuck with this. But, uh, you know, I mostly made it work out, I guess. Um uh, how did I stay motivated? I, I don't know. I just liked uh, being a part of the league and talking with the guys. And, you know, mm-hmm. back then it was just email. We didn't, or what did we use? ICQ as a messenger. So not a whole, not a whole lot of chatter, but once we started doing Twitter and stuff, you know, that it seemed to really up the, uh, the, the communication amongst the league. And it just, you know, makes a lot more fun. Um, but, yeah, no, I just like being a part of the league and watching the games get simmed. Although that one year was kind of uh, <laughs> the year that uh, the Express won when, you know, he lost like one game whole season. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was kind of a weird year where it was like, yeah, I don't know about this. Uh, might want to check the settings. So, uh, you know, I think we all stay motivated through that somehow. But, uh, you know, it, it's fun because you get players that aren't on your home team. And uh, uh, it kind of makes, you know, that other league kind of more enjoyable because you uh, mm-hmm. uh, kind of yeah. like watching players that you wouldn't normally watch and uh, kind of rooting for them. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, that part of it makes it fun for me. I absolutely agree, 100%. I, you know, before it was, if Calgary was on, I was watching. And, you know, I might watch some other games around the league. Now I'm watching so much because I have a player here or I have a player there. I'm watching, I'm finding out uh, if I can watch games from the AHL. I'm finding out if, uh, trying to find 
watching games from around the world now. So uh, I completely agree. I, I I have to admit when I I've been to some games with uh, with Mike here in Edmonton, some NHL games or sorry, some Nahal games in the other league here uh, with Mike. And at the time, uh, my team was an absolute tire fire. And there's Matt Benning, <laughs> who I acquired from you, actually. Um, oh, Matt Benning was, of course, playing for for the the local team here. And and I'm not that local team's uh, biggest fan. But uh, but the, when Matt Benning would step on the ice or V touch the puck, I was just cheering as you know, I was cheering like super loud, and people like kind of like looking at me and my kind of shaking his head but uh it yeah this league really really adds so much more enjoyment for that other league in in my opinion so that is that's totally true <laughs> yeah i totally agree i i went to a, a game where the blues played uh the jets and it was soon after i acquired uh mark shifley mm. and uh it went to a shootout and uh he was the last shooter for the jets and I told my wife, like, right before, like, Shifley's a beast. He's going to score. And he uh, he went down, scored. The game was over. Jets won. And I was secretly happy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the, Blue, the Blues lost, which is my home team. But mm-hmm. I was secretly happy because, you know, Shifley is on my uh, fantasy hockey team. That's right. It's, it's amazing <laughs> what, this, what this league does to your brain. It's like, I was a total home blues fan you know no other team mattered except the blues and then watching other players as i you know get different players on different teams that starts making me pay attention to them and root for them and now i would say i'm more of a hockey fan than i am a blues fan right absolutely no i i hear you i agree 100 percent uh so we'll we'll get to the summit now here um is it true that when you came to the SICHL Summit, it was your first time on a plane? I uh, don't know where that came from exactly, but it was my first time in a plane in about 15 years. So oh, okay, okay. Uh, it had been, a, it been a long time. Okay. Your first time in New York? First time in New York, and then we hopped to Toronto, and I think I might have said Toronto and Canada earlier. I meant Toronto and Edmonton. We're the only places I've been to in Canada, but uh, okay. uh, yeah, I went to uh, yeah, it was first time in New York, and I was surprised by how uh, small the Statue of Liberty was. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I was I had the jitters because I hadn't been on a plane in forever. Uh, went to a gas station uh, to get some liquor before the flight, just to calm <laughs> my nerves a little bit, and uh, and uh, I don't know what your laws are like in Canada, but they said they couldn't serve me alcohol alcohol because it was uh, too early. It was like, I think it was like 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. or something like that. And, uh, so I missed the window where you can actually buy alcohol. So I had to just toughen up. <laughs> make flight. All right. Well, and and you really did the North American tour on that uh, for that summit, didn't you? you? From St. Louis to New York to Toronto to Edmonton. Uh, when uh, when a couple of us it, here heard about uh, heard about the route that uh, you and Sean were taking, um, there was <laughs> there was some shock to <laughs> to be uh, yeah it was the, put uh, it lightly <laughs> yeah Sean I, I gotta be honest if uh if I didn't find out Sean was going 
I don't know if I would have gone because it was just like, I don't know if I should go. It's a long way. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then I asked Sean. I asked Sean. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go." So I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. I, I guess I better make this work. And then we kind of we tag teamed it. Went on the same plane. That was the cheapest uh, flight actually. Going right, to, right. To Toronto. I ended up going first class to Toronto. Actually, it was kind of oh, nice. Good. But uh, yeah, no, it it really didn't take as long as I thought it was going to. Like I, I thought it was going to just drag on and t- seem like a long trip, but it really wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Well, and and plus, if you were on the same flight with him, were you able to sit beside him or no? Uh, we sat beside each other on the flight to New York. So, mm-hmm. and that that was an experience. That'd be the first time I ever talked out loud to uh, uh, another GM about the right. league and it was like instant like yeah he, he, he was almost late for the flight uh well, he was late for the flight but he still made it on but uh, uh he sat down and i mean probably within 10 minutes we were talking about the league and uh you know our our little fantasy hockey guys <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic i love it uh okay so at any point in your tumultuous flight to the summit, did you consider turning around or was it all systems go at that point? Uh, not really. I never really considered turning around. I was kind of wondering about if Sean was even going to go if he missed the flight, but, yeah. uh, uh, you know, it, it just would have been me showing up to the summit, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I never really had second thoughts about it. Okay. Excellent. Uh, guys were there, uh, you were there welcoming me with a sign and, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you definitely get, you definitely made me feel welcome. <laughs> Great. Uh, can you recall your first experience with poutine and have you found a place in St. Louis that serves up a halfway decent poutine? Uh, so the $2 Guinness kind of makes the poutine, my first experience a little hazy, but, uh, no, uh, I don't know. There might be some places in St. Louis that serve poutine, but knowing the states and knowing St. Louis, they might call it something else. <laughs> um, okay. I don't know. Would cheese curds be about the same thing or cheese not? Curds, that's what it's actually supposed to be. Cheese curds are in the, like, that's what there's real po- like poutine is supposed to have cheese curds, not, uh, not just cheese. Okay. okay. Well, there's a, there is a fast food place nearby that serves those. So oh, nice. I don't know. I haven't had them there, so I can't say that I've had it anywhere else besides Canada. Okay. All right. So you are having a great season. Do you think your team has what it takes to make a run this year? I am uh, cautiously pessimistic about my chances. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I I mean, I don't know if you were paying attention to the beginning of the season, but, uh, uh, you know, my first – say 10 games i was out of the playoffs or almost out of the playoffs so and i've lost no offense i've lost twice to hamilton and <laughs> it kind of you know dampens my hopes a little bit and then i lost to uh chicago yesterday so you know i i seem to be able to handle myself against the heavy hitters but uh not so much the uh the uh below 500 teams um so that's a good thing when you hit the playoffs because you're not going to be playing any of those below 500 teams. So if you can, uh, if you can 
be winning all of those other games against the uh, the top teams. That's what you want to be doing. Yeah, that's totally true. Uh, but I will say that uh, I am optimistic because my team is still winning despite my injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I look at the rosters of the other teams, like you know, Eric's team, your team, uh, you know, freaking G and Mark and Don, who's you know borderline non-playoff team, but he's still got a hell of a roster um but yeah i i just don't see my team competing but somehow they are um so you never know uh you know some teams have had lesser rosters and made it all the way to the finals so you never know what the sim well and that um your point about the injuries brings me to the next question uh how are you gonna how are you continuing to win games without giordano england and marino um uh, basically uh rust and kane have found chemistry i don't know what it is they didn't have it in the first 10 games i've never moved rust off of his line and uh finally they clicked and now rust i think he still leads in goals or maybe he's tied for goals mm-hmm. and uh kane leads in points so That's i don't right. i don't know what's going on you know it, the, the sim likes me this year, I guess. <laughs> um, I, did you ever play Eastside Hockey Manager at all? No. It's a, So it was like a fantasy hockey game, like a simulator. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a secret stat like that you couldn't... You had to go into the text files to actually edit. And uh, it was a chemistry score. Like if... Uh, team like if a player had the same number they had chemistry if you put them on the same line right i have to think that there's something like that in the simulator like why else would rust and kane be just annihilating everybody and you know i don't know it just seems like two players click mm-hmm. and uh and then some players just like uh kuznetsov i i put him with everybody and he never clicked with anybody uh I still think he probably has the lowest ratio of points per game versus, you know, the NHL counterpart right. than, than anyone else in our league. Like, he, he just does not sim well. Uh, I don't know what his problem is. But, uh, like I said, I, I think there has to be some kind of secret code in there that we, we aren't seeing. Uh, but, yeah, they're just my team is just clicking this year. I, I, I can't explain it. Well, they're doing great. And then... Well, I, there's a lot of talent. You have, you really do have a lot of talent up front on that team. And Kane, uh, I, you know, leading the league in points. Um, that I don't think that's an aberration. You've got a great player right there, and Rust as well. Rust is uh, is really doing well. And and uh, you may be right about the uh, about the <laughs> chemistry. There may be that hidden little gem in there. That'd be pretty neat. Uh, so at the same time. You are playing Robert Thomas and Dominic Kubalik on farm team instead of the Mustangs. Why is that? Well, I've tried to have Robert Thomas play on the pro team, but he hasn't really produced too much. Um, and Kubalik, uh, he's kind of in the Jeff Skinner territory. Like, I just uh, I traded Jeff Skinner before the start of the season. Uh, mainly because 
he was a scorer and he would have been playing on my fourth line. Okay. And in this sim, whenever you put a scorer on the fourth line, sometimes the third line, they don't seem to do too well. So I felt like it was better for him to maybe be in the farm team, uh, Kubelik on the farm team and uh, get his MO up. But I guess with Zajac's injury, I'm probably going to call him up. Okay. Uh, I also have a favorable rating on Alan Quine. Right. I don't know why he was rated as high as he is, and because he basically just played in the minors last season. And uh, but he's got a decent rating, comparable to Thomas, actually a little better in some aspects. But he's he's going to be slotted in tomorrow too against uh, Gee's team. Okay. Um, All right. But yeah, but yeah, Thomas, I'd really like to get him up on the pro team. I. Mm-hmm. I Really, I really like the kid, but uh, and he's got a hell of a passing rating, but uh, doesn't seem to be simulating too well. Okay, all right. Well, uh, uh, Tukarask for Giordano in 2010 uh, seems like a pretty e- even move right now with, with hindsight. Uh, now I've heard from a couple of GM, GMs on this one, so uh, I heard one one GM ripped it big time at the time. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> We won't mention his name. Uh, do you regret it or do you love it? Uh, I regret the circumstances <laughs> uh, because, you know, I love Giordano now, but uh, I can't remember if it was, a, I think it was an expansion draft was was coming up. And uh, the way I read the rules it said you can only, or you had to uh, expose one goaltender, is what mm-hmm. I read the rules as. And I don't know if I waited to the last minute. That's probably what happened. But uh, the way I read the rules, I interpreted it as I had to expose Rask, is the way I interpreted those rules. <laughs> and I, instead of asking for clarification, I went ahead and uh, shopped Rask. And uh, Don is the one who came up with the trade of uh, Giordano for Rask and you know a couple other pieces, and, uh, and I was like, okay, well, I mean, probably gonna lose Rask anyway because I have to expose a goalie and he's my only goalie, and uh, so I, I traded him, got Giordano, and yeah, it's definitely worked out for me. But I can't say that it was a brilliant move on my part because uh, you know, as it turned out. I would not have had to expose Rash because he was young at the time. And, uh, okay. wouldn't have, he wouldn't have had to be exposed. He was exempt. So I'd, I should have read the rules a little closer, I think, and maybe asked a few, asked some GMs, uh, some uh, pointers, I guess. <laughs> I, but it I was also still young. really worked out for you, too, with Giordano. Like he, what a career he's had. Uh, talk, talking about a late bloomer there, right? Um, just fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hope he plays 10 more years. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> me too. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that kind of moves me into the next one, a player like that. Uh, spe- is there a player you've had a special attachment to, uh, maybe a favorite player of all time from your organization? Um, and this could be a pl- player that, um, uh, yeah, I guess really anybody that you really had a special attachment to that maybe you would never trade. Uh, for my current roster, I'd say maybe the two marks are in the never trade uh, uh, 
zone, like uh, Mark Giordano and Mark Shifley. Right. Uh, I may have floated a trade of Shifley a couple seasons back uh, with a certain GM, but uh, he wasn't biting, so I decided to keep him, and I haven't been uh, unhappy with that decision. But uh, no. G- Giordano is my franchise player, so I, you know, I'm probably just going to ride him until he can't play anymore. And uh, uh, really, I mean, I've tried to trade Patrick Kane before. You know, I put him on the block, I think, two seasons in a row because he wasn't producing and I was out of the playoffs and I was trying to see what I could get. Uh, ended up keeping him. And, you know, that's been a good decision, too, mm-hmm. just kind of accidentally. Um, and then some players that I've loved in the past that I've kind of picked up, you know, the tail end, the twilight of the careers, like Zetterberg. Uh, I think I might have had Gary Roberts at one point. He was always mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, really like Gary Roberts a lot. Um, but yeah, I think those are the two Zetterberg and Gary Roberts that I had that you know I always enjoyed as pro players and really wanted them on my team. And they never uh, <laughs> they they never came to my team uh, until they were uh, you know, not really worth a darn. <laughs> all right uh, but yeah so definitely some special players there uh any player that you've always really wanted to acquire but never have been able to uh, yeah i mean i guess it doesn't uh hurt anything to uh name names uh <laughs> since since he'll never trade him to me uh tarasenko uh okay. <laughs> with uh with kirk and the kansas city crunch uh, I'm pretty sure I've asked about training for him at least once every season. Uh, ever since <laughs> well, he's been in no the- secret that you that you want him to let that's that you're not. I don't think you're letting the cat out of the bag to Kirk then. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he was the one who asked the question. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. When is he? I think he came into the season in 2013, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure I've. I've either asked if he's available or just straight up offered a trade. Like, didn't even ask if he was available. I just, you know, offered players or draft picks and, like, how about this? And mm-hmm. uh, then, you know, usually it's a, no, um, <laughs> he's he, he's mainstay in my team. So it ends up being, you know, I get shot down. But I'll, I still try. I think I even tried this year, too. So okay. um, even though his he's got injuries, I, I still don't care. I still want him on my team. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, there might be a couple other players, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. Uh, I may have, because uh, of some deals that made sense, like, you know, looking at your team needs, like if you need a second-line center or something like that, like I do, and uh, going around all the teams that are out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know the likely trade candidates. Mm-hmm. There are not many centers available. <laughs> uh, not not very many at all. So um, I've probably come around to the same players uh, a couple of times on those non-playoff teams. That you know, just to see if they're available and or what it would take to get them. And it's either my team is still winning, so it's kind of like, well, maybe I should hold off, or it's. They're asking too much, and I can't right. uh, see myself making the deal. Yeah, and sometimes the best deals made are the ones that aren't made, right? When you you don't give up that too much to get to get just that little 
piece for for maybe one season or something too. Who knows? Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure I've made half of my team available. That is <laughs> my my current team right now, and uh, obviously I haven't traded them, and that's kind of worked out this year so far. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, your team is playing so well. The morale's up there. You know, players with and this is uh, this is going to be pretty neat this year with uh, those teams that go out of the playoffs and then are all of a sudden are trying to win games to to increase their chance of getting that uh, those top uh, percent chances uh, for the draft. Uh, those players with high morale are going to be extremely valuable. I think um, in about. Uh, 30 games or so, 20, 30 games just before the uh, trade deadline. So, um, yeah, some of those, uh, some of those pieces that I got to, to fill in the gaps for my injuries, they, they might turn valuable come trade deadline. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just for, that, just for that reason. So you may get that second line center just for a little bit less than you're thinking right now. You never know. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, what are your most and least favorite trades that you've made over the years? Uh, these, of course, could have looked decent or just average at the time uh, and then turn into just like, wow, this is fantastic or, oh, no, <laughs> afterwards, right? Uh, any any that come to mind? So I definitely, uh, I don't think I've made major bad moves. I, uh, I mean, I guess the Rask, Giordano one might seem bad at the time, but obviously long term that's been all right. Um, um, I would definitely point to my Kuznetsov trade with you, um, and that was I, I was just in a bad place to make that trade. I was Kuznetsov wasn't simming well, and I was kind of just mad at him. <laughs> and uh, and I was I was I made him available, and nobody was really offering anything, so. I think you were the only one that actually offered anything. And, uh, um, you know, that kind of ended up being my second line center that I need. <laughs> but now that I look at it, but uh, I, I don't know. I, it wasn't a terrible trade. I got no. Heinle. I got Heinle, the Heinle pick out of that trade. Yeah. So, yeah, that's he's turned out okay so far. Um, um, so, uh, I, I'm sure I've made some other minor trades that I didn't you know hindsight maybe weren't that great like uh maybe the uh un- until yesterday or two days ago the the uh Jeff Scanner trade didn't look so good uh but now it sounds like you know Evander Kane's having his issues so it, it may uh it a, that was a one-for-one one deal Jeff Scanner for Evander Kane mm. and uh it looked good at the time, you know, Skinner was a little bit younger and then Skinner had his little, uh, his off season last year mm-hmm. and, uh, his Buffalo and, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I'd say most of my trades have been all right. Uh, yeah. Not, not too displeased with most of them. How about um, a favorite? Do you have a favorite? Probably the Shifley trade. Okay. Uh, Which one? What was that? That was, Gary, so I guess I never really told Gary this, but uh, I think it was soon after Gary got Shifley. Um, hang on, let me look it up here real quick. So he he got Mark Shifley from the Riders on December twentieth, 
well, in 2015. And I remember seeing that trade and thinking, man, Mark Shifley's so good. I wish I could get a player like that. Or I just wish I could get Mark <laughs> Shifley. And it is uh, January 25th. So 25, wait, no, a month later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary sent me a, a message on Twitter, I think. And, yeah. Or maybe email, I can't remember. And he basically offered me the trade as is, as it is on the transaction page. And it's uh, Shifley. Uh, he, he offered me Shifley, Zajac, McCown, Roland McCown, uh, Pesci, and uh, my first round pick um, in 2016. And I gave him Vatnin, uh, Trocek, Grigorenko, and Mikio Koibu. And uh, actually, now that I think about it, I contacted him asking about my first round pick because I knew I was going to tank that year. Hmm. Yeah, it's coming back to me now. I did ask him about my first round pick and seeing if it was available. And this is the deal he came back with. And Shifley in that trade, I was like, oh, man, getting rid of of Trocek really hurts, but I can't pass on Shifley. So I went ahead and got Shifley out of that deal. And that has probably been my favorite trade because I just – I really like Mark Shifley as a player mm-hmm. and as a person. I mean, he's a total hockey nerd. I don't know if you've ever seen videos of him on YouTube or anything, but he he loves hockey. You can just yep. tell. Um, and I, I will say another trade that I'm kind of happy about, but not happy with what I gave up, I guess, uh, was the Rust trade. Mm-hmm. I traded Darnell Nurse to get Brian Rust and Callum Wilson, basically. Okay. And that was back when Darnell Nurse didn't make the uh, the uh, World Junior team. Right. And watching him play, I was just like, uh, I don't know if this guy has a good hockey <laughs> sense. He kind of kind of makes boneheaded plays and whatnot. So I contacted, and I had been watching Brian Rust for a while in Pittsburgh and. Uh, AHL team, I can't remember the name of the team, but uh, he uh, he he just was a freaking spitfire out there, and I think it was I thought it was just a matter of time before he could bust loose and score some goals. I didn't think he'd do like he did last season, but uh, that was a pleasant surprise for sure. But uh, I think maybe I could have gotten Rust for less than Darnell Nurse, and uh, you know Nurse has kind of turned out to be pretty good. <laughs> And so has Russ. So, you know, it works out for both teams in that one, right? Yeah. 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 Well, uh, Wilson was having a good season that year. He ended right. up getting favorable rating after that season, but then he tanked after that. So uh, it was kind of basically just Darnell Nurse for Brian Rust is basically yeah. how it turned out. <laughs> okay. And I mean, and you, uh, well, I mean, the, basically one of my, well, it wasn't my first deal, but one of the first deals for me, it was at the summit. I think the deal was made in the car, <laughs> and yeah. uh, you fleeced me for uh, for her Chris Letang in that one. Um, uh, so, at the and you had you had uh, a number of great seasons with Chris Letang after that. I know injury. I, I mean, I had been chopping him around, and uh, uh, people were like I don't know his his injury like his isn't uh, his durability is like super low, and yeah, because he had lots of injuries, but 
like, yeah, he's a, still a great player. And he's got four years left on this deal. And uh, so we made a deal. And I, you didn't give up too much to get him either. So I, I think yeah. that was another good one for you. <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely uh, worked out for me. I was kind of wondering about, you know, he, he's not too old. Uh, the the Belarusian Polkowski. Uh, oh, Polkowski. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one I traded to you. So I I don't know if he still has a chance or if he's still. You know, I don't think I am. I'm not. I'm not holding my breath on him. That's for sure. I, I'm hoping Matt Benning can get a turnaround in in his new home. Um, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> not yeah. really. Uh, not holding my breath on the other guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I traded you. Uh, looking here, a third round pick for that too. Yeah. So I kind yeah. of knew what I got out of that. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, yeah, no, that was. Yeah, that you was did definitely... well on that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so, how about uh, moving on to some graphics? Which of your many late round steals is your favorite, and why is it John Marino? <laughs> uh, well, Mar- he's definitely uh, surprised me. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I didn't. Uh, I mean, I knew he was going to be okay, but you. Not many players come out of Harvard, it seems like. And that's where he went for, uh, you know, after he was drafted. Right. And then, uh, you know, why Edmonton let him walk? They right. let him walk. They, or did they trade him? No, I think they I think they let him walk. I, I, it might have been a trade, but if it was, it wasn't for much. It was definitely not nothing significant because I don't remember it here living in the city. So, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and, uh, uh, you know, I I kind of just held on to them, and I'm like, you know, these college players, you just got to hold on to them until they're out of college. Some of them, you know, stay there for four years, and next thing you know, they blow up into a star, and mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened with Marino, and I don't think he was ever considered that good even when he was in college, but uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Hockey players are weird, especially yeah. trying especially defensemen and trying to judge how they'll turn into pros. Mm-hmm. So without giving away any secrets, what is your late round methodology? Uh, and then uh, I guess, what is the favorite pick you've ever made? And that doesn't have to be a late round pick. That could be um, some, something earlier on. Um, do you, do you pick, uh, do you look at a, a lot of uh, college players? Um, I kind of just look all over. I mean, the main thing I do, uh, really just, um, watch a lot of videos and mm-hmm. jot down names throughout the season. And, uh, you know, I tend, to, I guess if there's any kind of secret, I, I mean, it's almost like crossing off players is as important as marking players as, you know, players to look at, like, you know, if players drop there, you know, they just, Kind of like, uh, who's that? Uh, uh, this is for the future draft, but the uh, who's the Ratu brother? That mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, was like, yeah. he was the consensus number one right. um, coming up in this next draft, and he's he's dro- he's dropping like a rock. Oh, pretty hard, yeah. So I kind of tend to stay away from players that can't seem to get their act together, right. uh, and they just kind of just free fall. Um, Late round picks, I, I don't know. You know, good players on bad teams are kind of attractive uh, to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, players that don't have bad, uh, well, 
players that don't have bad work ethic unless there's just something really special there or players that uh, don't have bad habits. But, you know, they're young. It's really it's really not. I mean, I'm sure D has picked up more late round steals than I have um, <laughs> since he watches a lot more than I do. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just I do more than just watch video. I, I kind of look at comments and just see what maybe other people are saying. You know, look out for this guy. Or did you see this play by this guy? And that kind of puts him on my radar. And then it's kind of like, well, maybe follow him for a little bit, see what's going on there. And, you know, see if there's anything promising, I guess. Uh, and, I mean... I, it might be beating a dead horse, but my favorite late round pick would you would have to go back to the uh, the Roughnecks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Henry Zetterberg. Okay. Uh, back we, how, what, how many rounds did we have back then? But uh, mm-hmm. I picked him up. I picked him up in the ninth round. Yeah. <laughs> ninth um, round. Yeah, there were nine rounds back then. Yeah. And and you know I. I've gotten teased about that before, saying, oh, you didn't know anything about him. Well, I saw his name on Hockey's Future, the the website, and someone in the message board started a thread about him and just talking about him, like, before he was drafted. Mm -hmm. Like, well, I don't know. If he's there, I'll take a swing on him, and that definitely worked out. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, there's definitely been late round picks where I was like, man, I can't believe nobody took this guy. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm catching gold here at the end, and then they didn't turn out to be anything. So, right, you know, both things happen. For, it's just, it's just random. I think I, don't, I don't know. Well, and Zetterbeck, Zetterberg in the ninth round has to be, has to be an absolute classic for sure. So, well done there. <laughs> Uh, now, this this next question may sound a little bit funny. As I look at the SICHL page today, uh, and I look at the leaders in po- leader in points, and it is Patrick Kane. Uh, but the question is, as a fan of a certain team in a certain other league, is it difficult to have rival players like Patrick Kane on your team? I don't know how it would be difficult to have him on your team if, if he's leading the entire SICHL in points. But Well... <laughs> This is from the same guy who had Sean Avery on his team. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I'm not, I was never, even growing up, but watching the Blues, I did dislike the, the Blackhawks, but mainly because of Eddie Belfour. Um, so, Belfour, I didn't like, but I didn't mind the rest of the team. But, uh, there's the Red Wings that I didn't like, and I still I still harbor much hatred for the Red Wings. So uh, <laughs> I don't own many Red Wing prospects, if any. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as Patrick Kane goes, I know he had his little um, rush with the law back in the day, and that was probably around the same time that I was looking to trade him. Okay. Um, Maybe partially for that reason, but also, you know, I wasn't making the playoffs. So it was kind of a waste to have a superstar there when I'm not making the playoffs. But uh, no, it, it's not hard to like him when I see what he can do on the ice yeah. and you know <laughs> what what he does for my team. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it, I generally don't like to have players on my team that I don't like. 
Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think you'll ever see me trading for Brad Marchand, um, <laughs> or or Lucic. Even I, I don't really like Lucic either. But uh, uh, I guess that might be hypocritical since I had uh, Sean Avery on my team. But you know, <laughs> the way it is. <laughs> okay. Uh... What are your favorite things about the SACHL? I mean, there's a, there are a ton. There is just it's there are just a ton of things to love about this league. What are your favorite things about the SACHL? Um, say whenever we implemented Twitter on the main page, right. and it's just <laughs> it's just streamlined so much content for us. Like the uh, you know, the Costillator, the the <laughs> I'm blanking on the name, but the uh, the rumor mill. Uh, oh yeah the insider yeah insider yeah um yeah. and then all the gms being able to post there and uh watching don trying to uh, <laughs> figure out if he's the pro huskies or the the uh, minor team huskies or the uh, football team huskies or <laughs> whatever whatever he's posting under um and then uh oh just all the history stuff just looking at my team's page and looking over the past drafts and the records and uh, you know I don't check it every day so I'm, I've probably missed a few milestones in my players but uh, it is kind of cool to see all the records and how many games Giordano has actually played for me and <laughs> uh, um, yeah no the whole website's cool and being able to chat with the guys is cool and um, yeah no it's uh, a hell of a thing it, Still waiting on the uh, minor league webpage, uh, <laughs> Mike. Uh, uh, no, I, I think all of it's good. I really, it's hard to complain about anything on in in the SA, SICHL. Um, except maybe when you lose, and you should right. be winning with the team. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and the and the randomness of injuries. That's kind of a downfall, but. Uh, you know, that's the simmer. That's not SICHL, really. Um, yeah, no, I think it's all great. And just how much commitment everybody puts into it is just amazing. Like, I mean, I don't know if enough has been said about what you've done with the podcast. I mean, I don't know. It It's amazing. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, and I, I mean, I have an amazing time uh doing the the podcast it's uh it's just yeah um like you said every every part of this league is just just absolutely incredible and um i just have fun talking about it so (laughs) for me it's just an extra another fun thing to do uh yeah yeah. but i remember uh when it first came out i can't remember who teased it with me i don't know if it was you but uh i think the tease was that i would need a phone for it and, and i was like oh somebody made an app okay then you know maybe i can set alerts to you know know when the game is games are being sent and you know i won't have to refresh the page every five minutes but and then i found out you know when you release the puck the podcast and I'm like holy crap like <laughs> this is this is above and beyond what i expected and it's just it's been awesome every single episode has been awesome cool well thank you very much um, do you consider yourself a rival with any other team or teams? Um, no, I'm pretty much above everybody else, so I don't have any rivals. <laughs> uh, 
maybe maybe some uh, new GM, upstart GM <laughs> with a team with a team that's near my my city across uh, the foothills from. <laughs> Yeah, and you know the funny story there is when I heard the uh, you're getting an expansion team, and the name of the team is the Banff Rockies. I'm like, okay, where's Banff? I, uh, I'm an American. I have no idea where that is. And I look, I look it up on the map, and you know if I had a drink in my mouth, I probably would have done a spit take. And they're like, what? What? Or how close to Calgary? Wait a minute. Uh, so. Yeah, I'd say your team definitely this year or arrival. I think. Absolutely. Oh, I would agree with that this year for sure. Um, and then uh, Gee's team, the uh, Golden Bears. I refuse to uh, abide by the Grizzly Bears. Uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, basically you said the first order. <laughs> yeah, I remember my first ever playoff series win was against Gee, and I'll never forget that. Yeah. Um, he swept me the entire season. Everyone expected him to, uh, you know, make a run at the uh, championship. And I was like, okay, here we go with the playoffs again. I don't think I've ever won a playoff game, let alone a series. <laughs> and he, he won the first game, and I'm like, yeah, okay, well, yep, he's gonna he's gonna sweep me. Here we go. And then I won the next one, the next one, the next one, and then I ended up beating him four to one, I think, or four nice. to two. And <laughs> I was like. Wow, so this is what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I was doing something wrong the whole time. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd say you and Guy, uh, the Huskies are pretty good rivalry. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Mike, whenever his team's good, it doesn't seem like our teams are ever good at the same time, so I can't really, <laughs> can't really say he's a rival yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, who's your favorite World Conference team to follow, and why? Yeah. And I'll, and then I guess same question for the Canadian Conference, other than yourself. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like picking your favorite child, but like, <laughs> I mean, well, I, it doesn't have to be anything about the GM in particular. Maybe just maybe about uh, the team itself. Yeah. Well. I follow Sean, you know, because he's yeah. he lives near me, and we were, you know, bunk buddies over at the hotel in Edmonton. So I follow what he does, and I'd say I follow Jeff's team quite a bit, just because mm-hmm. uh, I like how uh, I just love how he buys into the whole revolution <laughs> or aura, like. That's fantastic. It really is. It's like it cracks me up every t- every time I read some of his stuff there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I love following him, and then you know Ryan, you know how he's done this season is just amazing. And I just just wondering if he's going to decide to uh, blow it up and decide to tank, and you know, <laughs> or if he's going to try to go for it all this season. You you never know with that guy. Um, yep. But yeah, and yeah, I, I definitely check out every team just to see, right. my, basically to remind myself who they have on their team and see if uh, any of their players would make sense to trade for. Right. Uh, I definitely, I definitely follow Sean and Jeff, and then you know Norm and his antics. Um, 
And uh, if I had to go, okay, I guess we can change a little bit. Uh, favorite logo? Uh, sure. I don't know why I like Reykjavik Riders logo. It's, it is a cool one. Absolutely. I don't know. If, I don't know if it comes from somewhere, if it's a, if it's an original, but I just think it looks cool. Um, just something about it looks badass. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then the Canadian Conference. Uh, well, every team is better than the World Conference, so they're all <laughs> uh, pretty good. Uh, I mean, I liked. Uh, oh, this is just gonna make his ego explode, but I really like the golden the golden bears. Whenever right. they were the golden bears, but uh, so that that kind of. I mean, maybe I'm more upset than G was when he had to change his name because <laughs> I just refused to accept it. <laughs> so, and I like the old time and kind of the Quebec Nordique feel of the Express. Um, right. His jersey and his logo, or they kind of remind me of the Nordiques. Yeah, absolutely. I almost bought a reverse retro of the. Colorado Avalanche jersey, okay. uh, but uh, it was a little too expensive, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I held off. But yeah, I love that Nordique colors and logo and whatnot. And the Express kind of reminds me of that. Nice. Uh, but yeah, um, I mean, yeah, everybody's got their own thing. I think they're all pretty cool. But if I had to pick a few, those would be the few that I pick. And your honestly, your logo is pretty cool too. It's just real simple, but just cool. It looks like it looks like a logo that's been around for years. Uh, I don't know how to. Uh, yeah. If I, I think Mike designed that one. And yeah, Mike he, is pretty amazing with those. I tell you, he's yeah, he's, he's got some skills. He's got some skills that, and he doesn't talk about it a lot, right? About it, and it's just amazing what he can uh, what he can pull off there. Um, agreed. Yeah. It, uh, it's definitely one of those logos. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, okay. And the more I see it, it's just like, man, that is a really cool logo. I yeah. kind of want to. I kind of want to like relaunch my team just so I can get see if I can get a cool logo out of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, <laughs> you never know. You never know, right? All right. Who do you think the grinder is, and how will you prove that it's not you? Uh, who do I think it is? It seems like. A lot of the rumors going around is that it's more than one person. Ooh. So I don't really know. There are times where it sounds like Don, but then there's times where it absolutely does not sound like Don. <laughs> so, uh, I, and Don always talks about the grinder. Like he just, he'll just mention it at random, like he does everything. And, uh, and they kind of get into battles sometime on on Twitter, the the grinder yeah. and Don, right? They kind of kind of start throwing stuff back, uh, so throwing some shade back yeah. at each other. Oh yeah, they definitely do. And <laughs> uh, so, I don't think, and no offense to you, I don't think it would be anybody new, or you know, recent to the league. So, uh, you know, I could see it being so many people. But, I mean. <laughs> Gary, I think he has like three or four accounts on Twitter, <laughs> so I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was him having another one in there. Right. Uh, 
if I had to pick one person, it just screams Eric. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know why. It just seems like Eric, my second choice would probably be Mike. But I just think it, it just seems like something Eric would do. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, originally I just thought it was Sean. Like right. I thought he, I thought he fired it up again because he was the original grinder. Right. Um, but yeah, it, but then on the podcast, he said it wasn't him. He didn't have time to do it. So if I'm to believe him, then it's not him. <laughs> it must be, uh, someone capable of, uh, the uh, comedic chops of the grinder. <laughs> and so prove to us that it isn't you then. Uh, well, I don't know if I can other than taking a <laughs> screenshot of my Twitter accounts. Uh, um, Without giving away your personal information from your phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you may not know what my real last name is. You know, you never know. <laughs> uh, also, the uh, crow flies at midnight. <clears throat> <laughs> No, I, I don't know how to prove it other than to say, uh, I wish I would have thought of it. <laughs> there we go. That's Excellent. the only thing I can say that might prove that I'm not him. Right. Oh, Matt, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time and, uh, and you coming on the podcast and, uh, I'm looking forward to having you on again sometime and, and I'm really wishing you the best of luck this year. I, I'm really enjoying the, uh, the back and forth of teams that are just um, one's up, one's another uh, one's up, the other one's up, and it's uh, it's been a ton of fun. Um, the team, your team's just doing great, and uh, best of luck to you the rest of the way. And thanks again for coming on. All right, thank you very much. It's been fun, and uh, yeah, hope to do it again. Absolutely. All right, that's Matt Birch, GM of the Calgary Mustangs, and uh, thanks again. All right. Thanks again, Matt. Next, Acadia Grizzly Bears GM Guy Flaming and I will discuss the 2021 World Junior Hockey Championships. That you can find on your podcast and also GM of the Acadia Grizzly Bears. Happy I'm getting that right now. I still want to say another name there, but it's the Acadia Grizzly Bears. Welcome to the show. How are you, Guy? I'm good, Ian. Thanks for having me. Now, for clarification, am I coming on as Guy Flaming all-around good guy or the GM and most hated guy in the league, the uh, Grizzly Bears GM? Because I'll gladly play the villain role, but if you just want me to be the nice guy, I can do that too. Well, today um, we're going to be talking about the World Juniors, so we are going to be, uh, I am going to use your knowledge, if I can here, right. uh, different prospects in the world and and, and uh, the way they played at the most recent World Junior Championships. Perfect. Sounds good. I'll be the good guy then. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Okay. So let's get it started. Uh, the United States won the gold medal. Uh, a lot of people had... Canada, Canada winning the gold beforehand, myself included. Um, was that a big surprise to you or no? Uh, for me, and I say this every year, I think there's five teams that are gold medal uh, contenders. Uh, but this year, I, I think everybody or most people expected Canada to win just because of how deep the team was. And uh, with the exception of Kirby Dock, it was going in with absolutely everybody that 
uh, was available to them. So on paper, they looked like they were the best team and the deepest team and uh, the and I think the most experienced team as well coming into the event. So everything indicated that it would be Canada uh, to win gold. But that said, you cannot overlook and uh, and expect that the U.S. is going to roll over and Russia is going to be a, uh, a quality team as well. And the Finns and the Swedes are always in the mix. Uh, so any one of those five, uh, I think, are contenders ever, for most years. But sure, this year, uh, most people expected it would be Canada. All right. And so let's go straight to the gold medal winning team, the United States. Um, any standouts that you that you found from the U.S.? Well, of course, Trevor Zegers. So what a talent uh, he is, and uh, that that wasn't that wasn't a surprise at all. That uh, he ended up leading the team and the tournament in scoring. I think uh, you know if you polled a lot of people before the event, his name would have been mentioned by a lot of people. I know there were a lot of folks who said Cole Caulfield would be the the top guy for the U.S. and I I was not on that uh, that train at all. Uh, I'm still in a, a wait and see kind of mode with Caulfield, but um, Zegers I thought was outstanding. I really liked uh, a couple of guys who are Golden Bears, uh, excuse me, Grizzly Bears uh, prospects <laughs> in uh, John Farinacci and uh, and uh, Brock Faber. I, I thought both of those guys played very well for the U.S. Farinacci in a third-line role, but still was, I think, one goal or one point away from being second-leading scorer on that team, uh, I think is outstanding. And uh, Faber, to me, I know Cam York was their number one guy, but... It was Faber who I thought was making plays in in all three zones, uh, and uh, uh, you know I think next year when he's eligible to come back again, next year he's going to be this year's Cam York for Team USA. Yeah, if you want to call that that Fernacci line a, a third line, um, I thought they were fantastic. They easily could have been really referred to as a second line there. They they were all over the place on the ice, and they were. Um, they were hunting down uh, pucks. They were stealing pucks. They were they were moving it forward constantly. Uh, Farinacci really was a standout there. Uh, Faber, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I thought all of the, the U.S. Defense Corps uh, was incredible in that tournament, I thought, uh, especially in that gold medal game against Canada. Um, the Canadians had their way with every team that they played until – uh, until they got to that U.S. team, and the U.S. team was moving the pucks out of their zone, and it, I thought pretty easily, and they did not have that uh, cross crease uh, play going in front of them. Um, it was it was really good, really well played by uh, by the U.S. There uh, for myself, okay, yeah, absolutely, Trevor Zegers. I, I think uh, that's uh, <laughs> I think that's a consensus around around the world right now. He was amazing there. I thought Matt Boldy played a really good tournament for the Kansas City Crunch as well. Two, look, Zegras and and Boldy, both Kansas City Crunch players there, uh, had a fantastic tournament. Um, and and somebody who nobody has yet, Matty Bernier's, uh, he was he was physical uh, and he was making plays. Uh, I was really impressed with him. It'd be interesting to see how high he goes in the draft this year. Yeah. And uh, I got to get the pronunciation. Uh, I have to get the pronunciation down as well because I've been calling him that. What you just did, but apparently it's it's Matt Beniers. Beniers, uh, so Beniers, <laughs> like uh, like Ben Kenobi and uh, ears. So Ben ears. Okay. Uh, Matthew Beniers uh, plays at Michigan, and now I'm starting to see rankings that had him in the top ten, but now like in the top three, even one ranking I saw had him number one now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's the risk of small sample sizes with the right. World Junior Championship, where guys suddenly uh, elevate get their have their stock elevated or knocked down a lot just based on a, a couple of weeks' play. So uh, we'll see how he does the rest of the year. But uh, yeah, I thought Beniers was really good in the tournament as well. There were some other guys who were, you know, Landon Slaggard is a guy I didn't really know much about going into the tournament mm-hmm. and had no points in the tournament, but his his uh, his tenacity and his his motor never stops running he's got great speed he's hard on the forecheck i think guys like that although they weren't they didn't chip in offensively you might not win without uh, the efforts that those guys had just from a forechecking perspective um so yeah even if your guy didn't show up with a lot of points doesn't mean he played poorly yeah landon slaggart from the hamburg gladiators um yeah absolutely they they were they were tenacious that uh, that fourth line um have to mention uh, Berard as well on the uh, on the third line there, or mm-hmm. supposed thir- third line right. He of uh, the Reykjavik Riders. He was he really impressed me. That was a that was I guess the the one that impressed me the most that I knew the least about uh, right. would have been Berard for myself. Which uh, was funny because he came into the event having a a, a game uh, where his team uh, was shellacked and he was a minus eight in the game. <laughs> But like a minus eight is like plus minus you can kind of take it or leave it. But right, if right. you're on the ice for eight yeah. goals against uh, <laughs> regular strength goals against, that's saying something. But yeah, he had a good tournament. And the third guy on that line is a guy you know well in Bobby Brink, who had right. a good tournament too. Yeah, yeah, I really like the way Brink played. He uh, he he played a very different style to his normal style. He was asked to play that checking role in this in this tournament and the forecheck, and I thought he played it well. All right, well. Let's uh, move on to those the gold medal winning U.S. team and move to the silver in Canada. Uh, Canada, fantastic tournament, all the way to the very end, and just couldn't couldn't finish on that uh, in that gold medal game. I, a lot of uh, credit, of course, to the U.S. Who uh, who stood out for you from Canada? Uh, and my page just went uh, down, as you were mentioning before we started uh, with the, the Elite Prospects page. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mine just went down, too. So uh, I'm going off of memory. But, you know, Dylan Cousins was obviously uh, Canada's top player. But um, yeah. some of the other guys that stood out for me were guys who started further down the depth chart and worked their way up. And, and again, I don't want to toot the horn uh, of uh, too many uh, Acadia players, but I thought Phil Tomasino was really good pretty much from from start to finish. Uh, in this tournament, and I, I thought the the chemistry he had with Dawson Mercer was really noticeable. I thought those two guys worked really well together. It didn't really matter who the other guy was. It was Ryan Suzuki, but um, for the most part, I thought those guys looked really good, a dangerous pairing, and Tomasino got opportunities to play with other people and didn't look out of place with them either. So uh, outside of Cousins, uh, I would lean towards Tomasino as perhaps uh, uh, their one of their more effective players. I know there's a bunch of guys, but who mm-hmm. stood out for you? Uh, Alex Newhook didn't get to play as much as we we would have liked him in Canada, of course, with, with his injury. But uh, when he did play, boy, I sure liked his game. Uh, I was looking forward to seeing him before the tournament. And the Stock uh, Stockholm Cougars have a great player there in Alex Newhook. Um, uh, let's see here. Who else did I have? I had... Uh, Peyton Krebs, Peyton Krebs of yeah. Nova Scotia Schooners, wow! And and for him, I had seen him uh, in my viewings of him, which were not uh, humongous, uh, but in my viewings of him, it was you know showing off the skill, showing off the skill. 
boy, that tenacity came came forward for him. He is a he was all over people, and and he was making life tough on a lot of people, which I didn't really expect from him. But uh, I mean, we all know what kind of skill he has. But he really showed it at another level, I thought, in that tournament. Uh, and I thought that Caden uh, uh, Gooley on defense uh, from the Kansas City Crutch, he uh, he really. I thought for an 18-year-old defenseman, or he might be 19 now, but just drafted defenseman, um, was really, really good out there. He uh, he took care of things in his own end, and and he showed more offensive flair than I thought he would show uh, at a tournament like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess Devin Levi would be <laughs> would be uh, the a huge, humongous one. He had what a tournament he had, and. Uh, showed he was a bit underrated going into that draft. So the Boston Colonials really got a gem right there. Yeah, I was still bitter about that one uh, <laughs> from the draft. So I wasn't going to give too much credit to uh, to <laughs> the Colonials. But no, uh, yeah, Levi had a really great tournament. Um, yeah. I'm curious what you thought of uh, of Bowen Byram in this one. Because he, he's such a talented player. I had people telling me, like texting me and people I was watching the, the, uh, the U.S. Uh, the final game with who thought, He's trying to do too much, and uh, there's, um, they weren't impressed with the way he played. In fact, all through the tournament, one person in particular who uh, I, I know quite well was telling me they, they, the way Byram plays is starting to drive him crazy. I, I don't agree with that because I, I think Byram is really, really good, and he was on the All-Star team for the tournament. But I can kind of understand also what the person was saying the criticism because he is active all over the place. He is trying to attack a lot, but as, as a fan of the game, do you watch a guy like Bowen Byron say, man, just play defense. Or do you like to see him jumping up as much? No, as I like to see him jumping up. I, I liked Byron's uh, tournament. I, I thought that gold medal game, he was, he was getting stymied by that U S four check. I mean, they were, uh, he, I think he was a focus of the U S um, and when, when that happens, and it happened with a prospect of mine on another team, I thought throughout the tournament, and that was Vasily Podkolzin, uh, it can be frustrating for that player. And that player will start to try to do too much sometimes, right? It, it, and maybe a little bit, but I didn't I didn't think, uh, I really didn't think Byron played a bad tournament or even that one game wasn't that, that bad. Um, I thought Byron played it actually a very good tournament. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with, with uh, with those comments from those people, okay. uh, I I I think Byron uh, has a ton of potential, um, ton of upside, and I saw him do a, a lot of excellent things. And he was really moving that puck really well together with Drysdale for most of that tournament. Yep, fair enough. In, in my opinion, in my opinion. So, um, okay, so we'll move past Canada, who uh, finished with that silver medal. We'll move on now to the bronze medal winning team. Finland. I had uh, Finland fourth going into this. I had them uh, losing the the uh, uh, the bronze medal game to the Russians. Myself, uh, it actually reversed for the gold medal game and reversed for the bronze medal game for myself. Uh, Finland. Anybody uh, that stood out for you for Finland? Well, the games that I watched that Finland played, and I didn't watch all of their games. Um, uh, Anton Lundell was clearly their best player, um, but they they were. You know, I was surprised on the back end that um, I, I did like the play of uh, Topinimala, uh, and I wasn't as impressed with Villianola as I thought I would be. I think he was good, uh, and I believe he was on the All-Star team for the tournament as well, but I expected more from him. Um, overall, I thought Finland was 
okay. They looked good in the comebacks uh, against the United States, although that fell short. Uh, and the comeback uh, against, uh, uh, was it Russia, I believe, that they came back again. It could be, oh, no, it was uh, Sweden. Um, I, I liked the, the way they came back in the never-say-die attitude, but I can't say I was blown away by their performance. And I was surprised also with their net mining choice that Joel Blomquist didn't, didn't even get into a game uh, and that they went with uh, Kerry Pernan. Uh, for the entire event. Uh, outside of that, that was my takeaway with Finland. Uh, I thought they were good, not overwhelming. Yeah, uh, I, I completely agreed. I thought um, they came like those comebacks were fantastic. Uh, to like to, they dug deep in those ones, uh, but players specifically, definitely toppling Nimala was top of my list for guys who played way above where I was expecting them to play, and that showed me a lot. There, toppling Nimala was number one for for exceeding expectations uh as well as herbin and like i didn't have i really thought herbin was quite slow going into the draft this year i was he was on a do not draft list for me uh just because i thought this guy is never going to have the speed to keep up and he really uh played well with lindell out there uh they created a lot together and uh and i was i was quite impressed with him uh sammy helenius wow he played a he played a very good tournament in my opinion. Um, I knew that he had the size. I didn't know that he had that kind of that kind of skill. He took some bad penalties, but uh, but I think he can rein that in a bit. So he's not drafted yet, of course, in the draft this year. And uh, the other one was Brad Lambert, who is not eligible till 2022, uh, and he was incredible out there to me. I thought he was uh, he was their second best forward maybe out there for me. Yeah. I would agree with that. I mean, there's lots of obviously natural talent there uh, for Lambert. Uh, only had four points, though, for the tournament. So, I mean, it's not a, a big breakout event, but it's a traditionally a 19-year-old tournament. And here's a guy, an underage player, who didn't look at all out of place. So, yeah, good showing for Brad Lambert. Mm-hmm. All right. So, well, let's move on then to Russia. Russia, I thought a disappointing fourth-place finish for them. Um and there was a lot of disappointment from that team for me. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, this was a team I thought actually might finish uh, in the gold medal game. Um, but uh, I thought they would be on the podium. Actually, I was pretty sh- almost certain that they were going to be on the podium to finish. And uh, I thought their defense was just terrible. Yeah. And But some of the their, their forwards I was impressed with. And, and I'll be honest, I don't put Colson as your guy. I Coming into this event, I'm much like Cole Caulfield. I'm on the wait and see with this guy because he's, he has very little production anywhere over the last two or three years, including the World Junior Championship. So I'm waiting for this guy, and I'm thinking, okay, he's finally 19. This is the year. If he's going to dominate, this is the year to do it. And he didn't really do it. Um, he was, I think, Russia's best player, but they weren't an overwhelming team. However, there were things I saw from Podkoles, and even though the production wasn't really... Uh, uh, impressive. There were parts of his game that I thought were impressive. This I I probably came into the event feeling one way and leaving liking him more than than I did at the start of the tournament. I'm still waiting to be wowed by the offensive upside. But the scene at the end of the game where uh, Igor Larionov allowed uh, Pod Colson to talk to the guys on the bench during the timeout, I I, I found that very telling. If the coach mm-hmm. is letting the captain handle the timeout, um, that that made an impact on me. Uh, overall, I thought the Russians were disappointing, though. Yeah. 
agreed that I thought they were very disappointing. Uh, Pod Colson, the majority is with you on that, that, uh, that he is not going to become that, uh, that top player. And I'm really not expecting him to become a, uh, you know, a 60 to 80 point player uh, in the, in the SICHL, <laughs> uh, but I am expecting him to uh, to create a lot of havoc uh, for the uh, other teams and and to to uh, help out his line mates a lot. And that's what I thought. He just didn't have that person with him, uh, that plank maker with him with, when he got them to puck, or if he could get them to puck, uh, that they could do something with it. Uh, I think he needs. He's not going to be the guy. He needs somebody to be the guy, and he's going to be a great complimentary player with him, in my opinion. Um, so he just didn't have that. They really didn't have that there. And the defense core just could not move that puck up the ice. They kept uh, turning it over inside their blue line. And if you keep turning over inside your blue line and can't get it to the forwards, well, the forwards can't do too much with it. And I thought I saw Pud Colson get extremely frustrated and then just started trying to do it all himself as well, even though he was extremely responsible defensively. When he did eventually get the puck, I found I thought he uh, he would try to go end to end with it uh, a lot. Um, another one that uh, was uh, was a bit disappointing uh, for myself again was Askarov. But um, looking more into it afterwards, he was actually the youngest starting goaltender in that entire tournament of all ten teams. I was actually surprised when I when I uh, when I researched that, but. Uh, He's got to hold on to his stick a bit more, as uh, Ray Ferraro point, pointed out a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I still thought that he wasn't, there was no, uh, the fault was not on Askarov for Russia not moving on. He was under fire back there, and their puck was moving back and forth on them a lot, and also being given away in extremely dangerous places. So, uh, yeah, that was just a disappointing uh, tournament from Russia. I thought one forward that I was actually quite impressed with, another Hamburg gladiator, Abramov. Abramov, I thought, had a had a very good tournament uh, for a guy that I wasn't expecting as much from. Uh, so I guess somebody that kind of went above what I was expecting would be uh, the right. Ford Abramov. I can't remember his first name off the top of my head, but uh, from but, this yeah, year's there's, draft, there's Rody? a couple Abramovs. That's why I can't remember. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Rody and Abramov, uh, the first uh, round pick from this past uh, SICHL draft. Or no, Abramov. Oh, Abramov. Abramov. Oh, okay, Vitaly yeah. Abramov. Vitaly Abramov, thank you. Yeah, so or uh, actually, actually, that one's Mikhail Abramov. Oh, okay. There, there we go. See, that's why I knew there was a couple, and it, and Mikhail Abramov, I thought had a really good tournament, um, but not many of the Russians did. That's for sure. No, I, I will shout out uh, Igor Afanasyev, uh, who played in the USHL for a couple of years. Uh, I don't remember who in our league drafted him, but I like the size and the speed that he showed, mm-hmm. and he ended up having five points, which is one more than Pod Colson. Uh, and I thought he was good. It wasn't on their top line, uh, but I Agreed. thought uh, the games that I saw him play, I thought he was uh, one of their better players too. Agreed. I'd, I'd go with him as well. Havana Revolution have his rights in the SICHL. So All right. congratulations to them. Good pick. All right. Let's move on. We've moved past those uh, those top four teams to Sweden. Sweden. Uh, I know that Sweden, a couple of people had Sweden uh, in the three or four spot. Um I had them five. That's where they finished. I really, I was worried about them going into the tournament down the middle, uh, especially without uh, 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 Carl Henriksen, uh, Berno Barron's property. Uh, that was really a shame for them. Boy, they they had trouble going into that tournament with uh, with 
COVID and, and all sorts of things, for sure. unfortunately for them. Um, but I thought their defense core played incredible in that tournament. I thought guys like Soderstrom, Broberg, who seemed to be playing on one leg out there and taped together, uh, had a really good tournament when he played early. Um, later on, yeah, I mean, what can you do when you're when you're playing that injured? Uh, and Bjornfoot as, as well, another one. St. Louis Spartans have uh, Tobias Bjornfoot. He played a good tournament as well, I thought. Uh, how about yourself? I would agree. I, I did have Sweden missing the podium this year because largely because of the uh, the COVID situation for the team. Uh, has it been reported yet what Broberg was injured with? Because it, it was very, very apparent that he was far right. from 100%. He might have been playing 50% yeah. uh, by the end of that tournament. Uh, but I haven't heard yet if uh, if they've discussed or disclosed what the injury was. Do you? I have not heard yet. Uh, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I was a little disappointed with, uh, I think everybody expected Lucas Raymond and Alexander Holtz to be, you know, 10, 11, 12 point guys. And they were far from that. Uh, I thought Raymond was better than Holtz, uh, mm-hmm. but still not nearly as good as I expected. Uh, I thought their best player was Noel Gundler, who <laughs> just loves to shoot the puck. Uh, give that guy the puck and he'll shoot it from anywhere. What a and, laser. And absolutely, like three of his four goals were off the bar and in. Yeah. Um, I, I was quite impressed with him. And here's a guy who's had trouble even getting an invite from the national team to participate or to try out for the team. And he gets it on this year and uh, makes a big impact. So he was the guy that stood out for me. I will say in, in net, Hugo Elnefeld, I thought was inconsistent. He he had good games and bad games. And when Jesper Wallstadt was able to go in, I thought he looked really good. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting that Sweden was able to take a guy who's eligible in 2021 uh, and was, you know, you can make a debate that he was, uh, uh, had a better tournament, but that he played Whereas Canada had guys like uh, Sebastian Cosa who didn't even get an invite. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally agreed. Uh, I thought Alan Felt had, uh, I didn't think he was terrible in the tournament, but he definitely didn't help them. Um, I was really surprised that Wallstead didn't get more of a chance. Um, So one more player that I just didn't mention, I want to mention him right now, uh, was uh, Soderblom, uh, Dublin Shamrocks. (laughs) Six foot eight. 238 pounds. I thought he was just going to go in and just crash and not be able to do anything else out there. And wow, he pulled off the same goal twice. Just an incredible goal. Um, how about you? What are your thoughts on Soderblom there? Yeah, well, he stands out, obviously, because right. of the physical size. And you would expect in a tournament where he's playing against guys who are probably on average 6'6", six, six, 1", and 170-ish pounds, that that physical advantage would really stand out. And I thought it did. Mm-hmm. Does that translate to the next level when, well, they're not, he's not going to be playing with a lot of guys who are as big, as tall as he is, uh, but the man strength will come in and, and will he be as effective and score those, you know, between the legs side of the net kind of goals that he did in this tournament uh, when he's uh, trying to fend off a, a six foot four and 230 pound defenseman who's cross-checking him in the back. We'll right. see, but <laughs> In this tournament, yeah, he stood out. I thought he was really effective. Absolutely. Dublin Shamrocks, uh, I'm excited for you there for, for him to see what's coming next. And I, I forgot to mention the team that has uh, Soderstrom, who I thought Soderstrom was really one of the best defensemen in the tournament, uh, is Vancouver, Vancouver Island Norseman as well, uh, have his rights as well. Okay, let's move on to uh, the, the next. Well, there's there a couple teams that you could really choose as next best in the tournament. 
Uh, but we'll move on to the Czechs. We could put the Germans in that situation. We could, uh, but let's let's move on to the Czechs next. Um, anybody from the Czech Republic that stood out for you? Well, I was waiting to see who would uh, be the guy that that breaks out for that team because I I thought there was some potential. I thought Jan Mishak might be the that guy to really stand out, or Pavel Novak, guys who played in the CHL and and uh, played against good competition. I actually thought it was a fairly disappointing tournament for mm-hmm. for the Czechs outside of their net mining. I thought Lucas yeah. Perak and and Nick Malik both had really good games, although again inconsistent because they also had stinkers, but. Uh, I was disappointed with the Czechs' lack of offense. There was not a lot of uh, offensive uh, production from some of those guys. And, you know, uh, you can go down the list and with uh, Michael Tepley, who also played in the CHL, and Philip Kofer as well, um, there, and Martin Lang, who ended up leading them in scoring. But mm-hmm. I, to me, I expected more from the Czechs. Uh, they, that, the 2 nothing win against Russia was really impressive, and then they did nothing after that, which was, mm-hmm. it was disappointing. Yeah, I agreed. Their goaltending was the best part of their team for me, absolutely. And that was too bad they couldn't take the talent of one of those two goaltenders and put it in the talents of somebody up front or something to add something there because they couldn't play both goaltenders all the time. And I think that was probably a tough choice for them. Uh, Jan Bednash didn't really even get a chance in that tournament. Uh, Another good goaltender. But uh, yeah, Malik and Perik both both played really well. Um, Martin Lang, he was the one that... I guess surprised me. I'm not sure who has him in the SICHL. Hopefully we'll hear the, this week uh, who has him uh, out there on Twitter. Maybe I'll put it out when I find out. Uh, but uh, yeah, Martin Lang, I thought was probably their best player out there. Um, Jan Misak, uh, he hit the, uh, he really hit the crest a lot. I thought he, he had his, he had chances. Uh, I thought he created a lot of his own chances. But uh, when he did, he hit, he hit the chest, uh, the crest of that goalie's uh, sweater a lot. Um, Raska, uh, was, is it Adam Raska? Yes. Or he, uh, let's see, uh, yeah, Adam Raska, he, uh, Vancouver Vipers uh, product, uh, prospect. Uh, he was, played a really physical tournament. Um, he was on the edge a lot. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, did he get suspended for one game or no? Uh, I don't recall if he no, did. Okay. Maybe he did not then. Anyways, he only played he four games, though. Everybody else played five. So that oh, might maybe, have been the case. Maybe so Hello. then. But he was Hello. on the edge, and, and that might translate uh, into the uh, SICHL. Never know. But you're right. I, I didn't think uh, the Czechs had a very good tournament outside of their goaltending. Martin but, Lang uh, mm-hmm. is undrafted. Okay. So maybe he will be uh, drafted this year then in the in the SICHL. You never know. Maybe. All right. Uh, the young defenseman worth note, though, uh, Stanislav Svazel, who uh, right. is eligible, uh, I believe, for the 20... Actually, th- it's for this year, I believe, 2021. Um, not a lot of production, but uh, he looked good uh, from start to finish in the tournament. As a underage player uh, or a young player that, uh, you know, he's, he's got decent size at 6'1", and I think he's about 175-ish pounds, but uh, I know there were some people who thought he could be a first-round pick, and I, I think he might still be in that conversation. Absolutely. He moved the puck out of his own zone very well, I thought. Uh, he, had, he had won at least one of the uh, player of the games for, for the Czech uh, Republic in that tournament. Yeah, absolutely. We might see him go in the first round of the SACHL draft this year, for sure. Okay, let's move on to the next team. And that, well, they could have been that in that spot for, for the Czech Republic, and that was Germany. And really based on uh, 
two players that really took control for that team, and maybe maybe one more. Who do who do you think stood out for uh, for Germany? Oh, I, it's the best story of the entire event is the the Germans getting to the medal round for the first time in their history and breakout performance for Tim Stutzla and uh, and uh, yeah, you can't. Uh, discount to JJ Paterka as well and but Florian Eliash as, as well I mm-hmm. that that line was fantastic and I don't think you can look at Paterka and Eliash and say well they only fed off of Stutzla because he was definitely good but they yeah. worked really well as as a as a line um so yeah Eliash is going to get drafted uh and um uh, it's unfortunate because from one sense Germany finishes so well in this tournament they're they're going to be seated really well next year but they're probably not going to have Stutzla next year, right? So no, that's they're right. not going to be as good next year. They're going to take it on the chin a bit, probably. Uh, but uh, what, a, what a story that they wrote for themselves this year, considering what they have, 14 players uh, to start the tournament and uh, ended up getting their team back uh, in time for the medal round. But, uh, yeah, good. the best story of the tournament, in my opinion. Yeah. Absolutely. Poor Gar in that first game. I just I felt so bad for that kid. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know... Um, but Bugle played pretty well after that uh, yep. when he came in, and I think, and I think that was uh, that was by choice of the of the German team as well, is to you know port like throw guard to the wolves really in that one and just save Bugle his uh, um, really his uh, confidence to move forward. Uh, but yeah, Stussel, what a tournament that guy was incredible. Paterka really impressed me in that tournament. Paterka showed me a lot. Um, showed me a lot more than I, I thought he had there. And you're right, Florian Elias could say, well, he was just on that line. No, he, he really played well. He has, uh, and I think uh, absolutely he'll be drafted this year. So, they, you know, they almost, almost took out the Russians in that uh, quarterfinal game. That was close. That came down to the very end there, 2-1, and, uh, and they were having chances. Um, I thought they were going to tie it in that last minute. I really did, but... Uh, uh, no, fantastic tournament for Germany, mm-hmm. uh, and which is funny because a lot of people were saying after that 16-2 game or whatever it was at the start by, for Canada, should we have 10 teams in this tournament? Uh, look at this. There's, there's no way these teams, some of these teams should be there, these poor kids. Uh, not my opinion at all in, in that I think these kids, even if they're losing uh, by that scores, they are so excited to be there and get to play on that stage and against those kind of players even if they're losing at, at those rates. And then look what they did later on in the tournament. One game is one game. Uh, I, I don't disagree. And I've talked about it uh, on the Pipeline show. And uh, in fact, I had a guest on this week who suggested uh, don't shrink it from 10 teams to uh, eight teams, increase it to 12 teams to give other countries that sort of experience as well. Yeah. And I, I just think, you know, you look at uh, probably eight-year-olds in Germany who are watching this tournament. Maybe they're getting inspired to continue to play hockey, and uh, you know they see Leon Draisaitl now, one of the top players in the NHL and they or in the SICHL. <laughs> what is the hell you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, they want to get to that level too, and it and uh, all of these guys on this team, they're inspiring young uh, German hockey players at home. So yeah, I, I, you don't shrink this event. If anything, you might expand it. All right, agreed. And Germany doing all this minus Marit Sider, who could have been there, and yep. Lucas Reichel. Yeah. Wow. And watching watching Sider right now over in the SHL, boy, that that guy is he, he could have added so much to that German team. 
They easily could have been in a semifinal game. And you never know, maybe even move to the final. Uh, the team that a lot of people are talking about, oh, maybe they shouldn't have even been in the tournament. So, uh, yes, I completely agree on, on that one as well. All right, let's move on to the Slovaks now. Uh, anybody stand out for you for the Slovaks? Um, probably the name that immediately comes to mind would be Simone Lakatsi, the uh, netminder, who I thought was really sharp. I expected Samuel Alavai to be their starter and play right. every game. Yep. But Lakatsi gets in, and uh, I think he ended up playing more games than yep. Alavai did, um, mm -hmm. which surprised me, but he earned it. He was he was really sharp in the tournament. He's a, not a very big goaltender, so I don't know if he has SICHL uh, potential uh, or not. Um, but you know, at at five ten uh, or five eleven, if if he's that tall, maybe on a bad hair day. Uh, but um, you know, I I don't know if he's a guy who's going to get drafted. But um, the the net mining was probably what the or at least the conversation around the net mining is probably what first came to mind. But um, uh, yeah, outside of that, I mean, again, not a team that had a lot of offensive uh, production. Martin Kromiak didn't do a whole lot in this tournament. Uh, what about for you? Yeah, I thought. Uh... Their best player was a 16-year-old, uh, Simon Nimic, who's not uh, not eligible until uh, 22. Mm -hmm. uh, so I thought uh, I thought he he had a great tournament from the defense. He he put up four points in five games as a 16-year-old from the defense court from from a team that was not great in the tournament. I thought Kromiak he showed me some stuff with his shot and a number of times. I really liked that shot, but he really didn't do too much for me outside of, outside of that. Uh, Nasco uh, really tried to take on that uh, shutdown role, I thought, in the in the tournament, and they, you know, they were facing off against teams that were just better than them most of the time. Uh, right. So yeah, agreed with Lukowski. Uh, wow, uh, but he's got some guy. You're, you you talked about um, maybe not seeing him in the SHL, uh, SICHL, sorry, uh, with his size. He's only an inch or two smaller than uh, Dustin Wolf and uh, Devon Levi, so you never know. But uh, but yeah, he did play most of the games. He played three of the games in the tournament more than Levi, who I expected to start as well. Um, well fantastic tournament from Lukowski. I mean, he had he made some saves he had no business making in that tournament. Wow. Um, but I wonder I wonder if Nemec comes to uh, to Canada and plays junior in the CHL. I think that right. would be good for him rather than playing. He's he's playing in Slovakia, so it's not like a guy who's gone to Sweden to play against pros. Right. So uh, I think uh, he would be a guy I'd I'd look at for the CHL import draft and see uh, who picks him. That's a good point. All right, I'll be watching that closely. All right, let's move on now. I think I, personally, I think the Austrians out uh, outplayed the Swiss in this tournament, okay. uh, and so we'll go with Austria next. Uh, anybody from Austria that uh, that stood out for you? No, <laughs> no, uh, I did the, the, the very little bit of uh, the Austrian games that I watched. No, they were overwhelmed by everybody. Yeah, uh, I, I know there's somebody you want to talk about, so I won't uh, take it from you. But no, I was uh, there was not a whole lot to talk about when it came to Austria, from my opinion. Right. Yeah. Uh, Rossi really was he. The, no, I know he's injured now. He played four games in that tournament. He didn't register a point in that tournament, which is uh, too bad for him. Well, they only um, had one goal in the entire tournament, so that's true. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't have a lot to help him. And that guy that scored a goal might get drafted this year. You never know. Santa Peters. He was eligible last year as 
as uh, uh, Sylvain had pointed out to me before before the tournament. Uh, so you never know, Senna Peters might get. But I thought their goaltending um, was a lot better than than uh, people expected, and they were getting shellacked on the uh, on the chances. And Renishitz, I think, is uh, how pronounce. I'm not sure on that one, but uh, but I thought he played quite well uh, in his uh, when he did play there. He played three of the games. Goals against average. Uh, was not uh, was not great if you look at the goals <laughs> against average over seven goals against average is never never a good thing but uh, even with like those the puck moving east to west constantly in front of him um, guys not being able to be moved out front of the net uh, he still pulled the 892 save percentage yeah uh, and he was facing like 50 to 60 shots a game <laughs> so so good for him uh, I thought he played a, a decent tournament uh, let's move on though uh, I think that's enough of enough for the Austrians. Uh, we'll move on to the Swiss and really uh, one of the worst Swiss showings that I've seen in this tournament in a long time. Um, how about yourself? What do yeah, you think? No, I don't disagree with you at all. It was uh, completely underwhelming and I know that they uh, had uh, some uh, COVID cases with their yeah. uh, camp as well before the tournament that, that uh, hurt their roster. Uh, but yeah, there just wasn't a whole lot uh, from that team, they were more productive than Austria was, but uh, overall, pretty disappointing tournament again uh, for Switzerland. This is a team that we're, we've kind of gotten used to being almost like a poor man's Finland, where they're hard to hard to beat. They're not mm-hmm. going to win a lot of games, but they're hard to defeat uh, and uh, never say die sort of attitude. But didn't see it from them this year. It was it was pretty lackluster uh, event for Switzerland. Absolutely. Uh, they had one player that I was watching, really watching going in, and that was Simon Nack. Uh, uh, I believe he, I'm not, I can't remember who, who's drafted him, if he has been drafted actually at all. Um, but uh, yeah, there was, there, I didn't really see much from them. He actually has not been drafted yet. He's eligible, eligible for this draft, uh, for the 21 draft. So Simon Nack, uh, we'll see. Uh, he's, he plays with Portland, uh, the Winterhawks in the WHL. So uh, hopefully we'll get to see him if he uh, when we get that 24 game schedule going for the WHL this year um, and see a bit more of him. But yeah, not much for not much for the Swiss this year. They didn't really get blown out too much um, in this tournament, uh, but they really didn't give much of a fight either. Uh, they scored more goals than the Austrians. Um, yeah, not not. Not a heck of a lot from the Swiss this year, but they've had some they've had some fantastic players come through in the past uh, 10, 15 years that you can think about that have gone into this tournament. Um, they just didn't have any of those guys this year. It was it, there's that cycle that happens sometimes for different countries, and they're at the bottom of that cycle right now. But uh, in the, at that junior age, uh, maybe in the future, who knows? I don't know of many guys that are coming up that are that are huge in the in the prospects right now to be drafted in the next couple of years either, but we'll see. Sounds good. All right. So there we go. The, uh, that looking at the tournament, who, who do you think uh, was the best player in the tournament for you? Uh, Zgrass had a fantastic tournament, obviously Tim Stutzla, uh, for me, for myself, it really came down to those two. Um, I, I, I'm a bit biased. I thought, I thought Lindell would be, was the third best forward in the tournament. Um, uh, but how about yourself? Who, who who did you think was the best player in the tournament? Yeah, I don't disagree with uh, having Zegras as you know. It was interesting. Uh, Zegras and uh, Stutzla for me were the two best 
and most exciting forwards to throw Dylan Cousins into that mix as the third guy. But mm-hmm, right. it, the way the awards came out that Stutzla was the top forward and Zegers was the MVP, <laughs> I actually, I'm not sure what the criteria for MVP is, if it's best player in the tournament or if it's most valuable player to your team. Because I, if it's that, if it's the latter, then I would have said Zegers was the best forward, but Stutzla was the most, most valuable player to his team. Right, but I had it reversed. Probably splitting hairs uh, on this and yeah. you know, thinking too much about it, but I thought both of those guys were deserved of uh, taking some hardware home uh, for their performances. I thought that uh, Spencer Knight was good after the first game, mm-hmm. uh, and it was nice that Dustin Wolf was able to get in and play a couple of, uh, well, a game and a half, and was perfect. I mean, yeah. how often do you uh, see a guy play uh, almost five periods, not let in a goal, and not get to continue playing. Um, but Spencer Knight was uh, the guy for the USA, and and he showed why as that tournament went on. And and Devin Levi in, in net for Canada. I thought yeah. those players were all really, really impressive. Right. Okay. And then there was a number uh, number from the defense uh, that, that showed well. Uh, Toppy Nimla really mo- uh, standing out uh, for his team. But I thought, uh, I thought Cam York... Um, might have been that best, uh, well, or sort of Victor Soderstrom as well. Well, I thought one of those two could have been the best defenseman in the tournament to me. Um, but, but, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not voting for it <laughs> over there. How sure. about yourself for defenseman that, uh, that you thought might've been the best in the tournament? Uh, I expected Bowen Byram to be the best one for Canada mm-hmm. and, and right. in the tournament. And I can't say that, um, that I feel a whole lot differently after the event um, I, I do understand why some people thought maybe he was trying to do too much, but I think when you're as good as he is and you're trailing in a game, that it's understandable why a guy would try to uh, right. take it on on his shoulders like that. I think Byram is, was Canada's best defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like uh, what I saw from Braden Schneider at, at times that, you know, after the suspension and uh, coming back, I thought he was good as well. And, and I mentioned Brock Faber with the United States. Um, so right. those would be my guys. I was less impressed with the Swedes on the blue line than you were. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that because Broberg was so hurt that uh, that he struggled. Um, but I, I maybe I thought that maybe I expected too much from them uh, this year, and they didn't quite live up to my expectations. But maybe I expected too much. Okay, all right, Guy. It was a, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show again. Uh, you, uh, we talked about the. Uh, the draft after the draft, and we've uh, and we've uh, reviewed now the World Junior Championships from t- uh, 2021. Um, thanks for coming on. Happy New Year to you. I hope uh, I hope this year uh, serves you well, and uh, looking forward to having you on again sometime. Always uh, a lot of fun, Ian. I appreciate it. Happy New Year to you and to all the other GMs, even uh, the uh, much hated uh, Fredericton <laughs> Express and the Nova Scotia Schooners. Uh, but uh, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it, and go Grizz. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks again, Guy. And not only is Guy the GM of the Acadia Grizzly Bears, he also hosts the Pipeline Show, which you can find wherever you download your podcasts. So I want to thank everyone again for tuning in to the this episode of the podcast. If you have any ideas for the podcast, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please DM me at SICHLRockies on Twitter, and I'd love to have you on the show. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.